0: After years of helping online businesses make more money by advising them on their taxes and finances, I've now made it my mission to reach as many profitable online businesses as possible to help them save on their taxes and make more money. On my quest, I bring you proven and real profitable online business owners, and we dig into how they do it. Well again, thanks everybody for being here. This is The Few, The Proud, The Profitable. I'm Micah Frame. This is the podcast where we talk exclusively to six and seven figure online business owners. We know that in this space, there's a lot of people who fabricate their success, who exaggerate what they're doing. So what we do here is we only talk to people who are actually making money online. Really excited to have one of those here today. Got my buddy, Steve Sims. Steve,
1: thanks for being here, man. It's a pleasure to be here. So, just to get started, tell us who you are, what you do. Um, for 20 plus years, I founded and still own the world's largest and most successful experiential concierge firm that looks after the rich and famous and the richer and unknown. Um, I'm responsible for sending people down to the Titanic, closing down museums in Florence for a dinner party of six and having Andrea Bocelli coming in and serenade guitar lessons by ZZ Top, drum lessons by Guns N' Roses, Basically, when the, uh, the affluent want to make a wish, um, they contact me with a big checkbook and I make it happen. Two That's years awesome. ago, I launched a book telling you how you can do this kind of stuff called Blue Fishing, yeah. The Art of Making Things Happen. And um, it just exploded. I didn't expect anyone to really care much about the book or me because I was very well known to a small group of people in the planet. Um But all of a sudden, I'm speaking on stages internationally all over the planet. Uh, got consulting clients, got simsdistillery.com, which is an online course, and it's just exploded. So uh, now I do a lot of stuff for entrepreneurs, teaching them how to communicate and make what they want to do possible, and more importantly, profitable. That's
0: awesome. With the concierge service, did you have a lot of per- did you randomly end up making friends with any of the celebrities in that, or were you just sort of in the periphery and on the middle?
1: Um, you the deal? Do you know? It's amazing what friends you pick up when you're spending half a million dollars. So <laughs> I'm very careful on that term friends. Do I have do I have famous people in my Rolodex to will take my call? Yes. Um, but are they the people that I could call up because I need someone to help me repair the flat tire on my car in a dark alley? Sure. I don't think so. So yeah. I'm very careful who I call friends and who I call good, uh, good business relationships, oh, shall we say.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. That's a solid delineation <laughs> between the two. Um, oh, that's awesome. So what well, we ask people on here because so many people have online businesses, but not ones that are profitable. What's the best part of having a profitable online business?
1: Well, for start, you've got to understand that for 20-plus years, I wasn't even on online. Yeah. Um, I had a website, and the, the daft thing is, and I'm not even going to promote the concierge business, but we don't even have a phone number or an email on our website. So we were very, very heavily referral-only. In fact, we were only referral-based. Um, so I would meet people that were very successful...
0: I can see that too because you don't want it if you're such a high ticket item, yeah. just out to the general public, I could see that real it's hard to weed out a lot of the mess you'd be getting in if you were. Oh yeah.
1: But fun. I would I would have digital experts as clients and they would be like, Well, what's your SEO campaign? I'd be like, I don't have one. And they'd be like, Well, are you marketing on LinkedIn? And I was like, No. So we were doing none of that. Yeah, yeah we were having some of the biggest names in the space. Um, as clients and when the book came out and as I say it suddenly became successful I was very fortunate to be able to contact these people and go okay what's this thing called SEO what is a click funnel what is an algorithm how does the flow chart work and they were actually spelling it out and I had people that I guarantee people will be jealous of mapping out flow charts for me copy and I went into the digital space now here's the thing here's the key there's stuff that people tell you to do, and there's stuff that makes money. Yeah. And it's not always the same thing. You see, everyone regurgitates a course about right. where well, you've got to do this and you've got to get onto Kajabi and ClickFunnel. And because I was a newbie, I could literally turn around and go, Well, why is that the best? And when you ask, why is that the best? Sometimes the answer is, well, it's not the best, but it's the way it's done, or yeah. it's how people do it, mm-hmm. and that's the answer you want to avoid. And I've right. often found that if you're in a if you're in a concert and everyone's walking right, turn left. Right. You know that's usually a, a, a an emptier toilet or an emptier place to get some food, or you can get to the car park quick. Sometimes you won't. Sometimes it's a dead end, and everyone that was turning right, right knew it. But I often, I'm always the guy that when the crowd starts talking right, with my family, I'll be like, all right, let's go left. And I'll be like, where are we going? I don't know. It's a journey. You know, it's a discovery. So in digital, and I've got so many examples of this, I would listen to what everyone said. Mm -hmm. If it made sense and was the wheel, there's no point in me inventing the wheel, but there's a million ways that it can turn. Mm -hmm. And that's what I would focus on. Actually, yeah. That's a beautiful metaphor, but I would try different ways yeah, you need to clip that and put it on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to be my next, uh, uh, IG posting, but, um, I would actually focus on how can I do something that is more impactful? And my focus was always impact. And that's how I think I took off on the digital space. I didn't expect it to, I did I really didn't go you know, cause my concierge business has me living up here near Malibu and I'm, I'm very happy. And you know, I'm, if the book failed, my mortgage is paid. So I'm all right. Um, and I had no digital presence. In fact, funny enough, when the book came out, I went to New York and it was released by a, a publishing house called Simon Schuster, one of the largest publishing houses in the planet. Um, and there was someone in the office that turned around. They said, are you going to start focusing on social? And I said, well, should I? And she said, you got 16 followers on Instagram. And I think two of those were my mum, and I think the rest of them were probably confused. Um, Probably my Nigerian aunt that had a billion dollars that she needed to transfer into my account or something like that. And so I started focusing on that. So it wasn't until I thought, "Mm, I'm going to try it. And then to be honest with you, the excitement of doing things differently really keeps you going. When you do something different than no one else is doing and uh, it pays off, you go, Ooh, it feels as though you've just struck gold and you've discovered some kind of rare diamond. So I like to try things different.
0: Well, and that's what's funny to me when you talk about the way that everyone is doing something, especially when it comes to marketing online, because sometimes you'll see people where they just got through their ClickFunnels training, or you can tell they bought a course because things change so fast in y'all's space that by the time someone figures out whatever the newest trick is, they, they build out the course, this person sells it, they go through the course, they feel like they mastered it. Six to 12 months has gone by at that point. And better odds than not, that whatever trick they had figured out, whatever that best practice was, even assuming it was a best practice to begin with, the chance of that being effective is, or nearly as effective, is incredibly diminished. But people, because they learned it from some guru, some course, whatever, that's what they're still selling one to two years after the fact that it's not really working as well anymore.
1: Well, here's the thing. In my concierge industry, um, it was all about understanding what the client wanted, not what they asked for, what they wanted. Yeah. And so I was always very good at asking them, Well, why do you want that? And they would be like, Well, you know, I haven't been together with my family for a while, so I'm using. So there's always a reason behind the question. Mm-hmm. And that's what I always did. And then as I started going from Looking after clients and ended up starting working for people like, you know, Tiffany and Piaget and Cartier and Louis Vuitton, Monaco, Formula One, places like this, the New York Fashion Week. Um, I was asking the same question What's the point of this award show? You know, who are you trying to capture? What is the conversation you're having with the attendees? It all comes down to the word communication. And I was really good at that. So when I stepped into the world of digital, the only thing I needed to do was focus on how do I communicate my message and my conversation with like-minded individuals, you know? And you said quite simply there about marketing. Now marketing by definition is grabbing your attention and allowing you to make the decision that this service product person solves the problem you have. That's what marketing is. So for you to go along and go, well, this is marketing this is what I'm doing. You're finding people are doing courses on how to sell headache tablets and thinking it's going to work for our real estate industry. You know, they are so misaligned and you get these, and I love the way gurus, I I love, I I use the term Insta gurus, add water, pop, there's a guru. Um, And you've got these people that, and we said about this earlier, they focus on their guruism before they focus on their actual substance. Mm -hmm. And so, They've got a million pictures up there. And I know there's a lot of people going out there going, well, get a following, then sell a product. But that's bullshit, you know? How valuable is that following? Because
0: we'll see this all the time with people who get engagement on their posts. It'll be the guy who's doing his workout pics, or the girl has bikini pics, and they're doing selfies. And you get all sorts of engagement on that. And sometimes they try and even sprinkle in a little business lesson there. But okay, cool, you can get engagement. You're getting followers. You're getting this following that you want so much. What's the likelihood that they're actually, when you actually do learn your craft, what's the chance that they're of any value to you? What's the chance that they're actually customers or any well, sort of
1: influence? That's a very, very good question. There was a couple of words you sprinkled in there, which is imperative. You know, the the, the the hot model that's like jumping up and down on a trampoline, and then she puts a little tag like in there about life is beautiful. No one gives a crap. We want to see you bounce in a bikini. We're not going to buy anything. It's three seconds of shameless voyeurism. Right. But you that's the exact same with everyone else. Now, the, the, the girl in the bikini is the exact same as the dude in the gold watch. I was in Beverly Hills a little while ago. I was in the car park, and I don't have a car. I ride motorcycles. And I'm walking towards my bike, and a couple of slots down is this metallic green Lamborghini, okay? It was insane how bright this thing was. And there was a film crew, a guy with a camera and two dudes leaning against it, going, if you want this, you've got to put the hard work in. You don't know what I've been through. And they're really selling it to the camera. And I'm like, oh, there you go. There's another bunch. What killed me was the guy that owns the bloody car came out of the lift after me, started yelling at him, and these two guys suddenly run off. They didn't even own the damn car. They were leaning against somebody else's car. The (laughs) trouble is... That's the the world that we're living in now. People are focusing on the shine rather than substance. Your words were correct, but let's break it down. Your following means nothing. It means bollocks to you, okay? You cannot buy, you cannot pay your bar tab with followers. When you can, I'll pay attention to them. But you've got to get your followers from following to engagement. From engagement to conversation, from conversation to solution. And that's the journey. So, whenever I look at anyone and they go, Yeah, I've got 5,000 likes on that picture, I can go on Fiverr and I can get a million likes on a picture for about two bucks. Okay. And I'll have every 11 year old in Manila suddenly pushing a like button on my post. But when you've got the engagement, that's, where, that's the start. That's the start. Of the conversation. Why did this post resonate with you? Hey, thanks for coming back with a comment on it. I agree with your position. I love the arguers. 30% of my consulting database, and I know this because we actually worked it out a couple of days ago because I was asked this on another interview. 30% of my data, uh, of my consulting database, is from haters. Okay. It's from people that have gone onto my stuff and gone, why do you think you can do that? Or you don't bloody know Elon Musk, or you've never worked with Elton John. Oh, this is just loads of shit and shine. And I've conversed with them, and then they've gone, Well, how did you do that? And I go, Well, actually, if you read this paragraph, you can do it as well. So, those people, I often believe that the people that tell you love you, hey, that's nice, but they don't spend a lot of money. Those people that turn around and go, Well, I don't believe in that, they are asking for a convincement they are asking you to validate why it works so those people that turn around and go well i don't believe in this all right fine you don't have to but i'd like to question you as to why you know i'd really like your perspective well because it's never worked well that depends who was telling you who was instructing you did you action it? it is the diet book syndrome it's the fat bugger that walks in the barnes and noble Picks up a diet book and thinks purely by that purchase, they're now going to get slimmer. Yeah. And then they go home, throw it on the floor and go, well, that book didn't work. Mm -hmm. None of that works unless it's actioned. And if you challenge those haters, I've actually ended up with a lot of them becoming consulting clients. That's cool.
0: Yeah. I haven't, I haven't heard that side, that side before. I've heard some people. Some people annoy me on their Facebook feeds because they just put controversial stuff just, in turn, just to get the engagement, which I've always wondered what the point is because, again, there's no the conversion to what you ultimately want yeah. isn't doing anything. But the way you're doing it, that's really interesting, where you're putting the regular value there. Then when you do end up with trolls, not you being the troll yourself, but when you do end up with the people who are arguing, being able to engage with them and turn that
1: conversation into an actual eventual conversion that's interesting oh i've had i've had people that have just said that i've lost a lot of money i've tried this and it doesn't work and i said have you tried the action now here's the daft thing you get these gurus out there going i can make you rich i can make you wonderful i can do this and you can be great no you can't the bottom line of it is i went i did a speech in nevada two weeks ago and i walked on stage and i said all right most speakers stand up on stage and say, you can be fantastic. Well, let me tell you quite now, 70% of this audience can't. Right. Only 30% of this audience is going to listen to me, take note, walk out of this room, and action it. And I don't know which members of you in this audience are part of that 30%, but I'm telling you now, 70% of you are going to be no better off after my speech than you were before. I'm right. talking to the 30% that want to change and and that's the truth people are lazy and they as much as there's insta gurus they're looking for instant response they spend 100 dollars on a facebook advert and they go well, why haven't i made a million you know it's people have got to put the work in
0: yeah well and that's what's funny in the space and one of the reasons i haven't been to a conference in quite some time cuz when i used to go to them Part of it is getting the right attendees, which I think that's one of the reasons people will go into really high level masterminds because you're engaging with people who are worth something. But yeah. just talking to some of the attendees, they're nice enough people. I'm not throwing shade on them as individuals, but as entrepreneurs, as people who are actually going to grow, it was, they were there for the, the rah-rah. They were there for the upbuilding and this makes me feel good, but you knew that there wasn't actually going to be any action. There wasn't actually going to be a result. Yeah. They got pumped up for a couple of days because everyone kept telling them they would, but they were never going to have any sort of follow through on it.
1: Yeah. There's no action. and Sadly, I run a mastermind. I run something called a speakeasy and I run it because quite simply the other things I was attending, and there's quite a lot that I attend, like, you know, genius network, mastermind talks. These are fantastic events. So these are not in this statement, but there's a lot of events. uh, Joe Polish is probably the leader of them all. Um, Uh, But I run a mastermind called a speakeasy because I don't want the wrong people coming to listen to the wrong people. So I don't announce who's actually going to be speaking at the event because you're quite right. People go to a conference like the diet book thinking, hey, if I spend $200 on $99, mine's two grand. So mine's not cheap. Yeah. The guys that spend $99 and they go to an event and they go, Oh, this would do it for me because I've spent $99. No, that's your entry fee. You've got to action it. But, and this is the problem a lot of events get rah rah speakers. Mm -hmm. And I don't like the speaker that goes up there and ends up everyone stood up and clapping around like a demented sea lion. You know, I want people to go, Right, okay, this is what we do. I'm brilliant. At my job, I make shitloads of money because I do this and I want to tell you what I do so you can be brilliant. Those are the people I want to listen to because you being up on stage telling me how excellent you are and how you've never been a toilet in your life and you're, you're rich and you're lovely and you're perfect wife and that. I don't care. What I care about is what do you do that can make me brilliant?
0: Yeah, completely. Perfect. So the third question will be a little bit different for you because you do have the main business already. But one of the things that we talk about with online business owners is cash flow. And
1: mm-hmm. for a lot
0: of people who don't have a secondary income, this can be a real struggle. So how do you yeah. manage that?
1: Yeah, you're right. So I already had, I was very, very fortunate in the fact that I never expected the book to actually be a secondary income. In fact, funny enough, it's actually already eclipsed in. It's now my primary income so it's, it's, it's weird. I've had, a, I've had my book and speaking and consulting official for like two years, and it's eclipsed a company that I had for 22. Um, but um, cash flow is careful. You've really got to think about the 20% rule. Um, and there's all these ways of going, well, you've got to put money aside, and you've got to do this, and you've got... Every penny I get, Twenty cents of it goes into marketing or preparation or discovery for the next thing. Okay, mm-hmm. you've got to keep momentum, and I find this a little bit hard because people people drive cars. You naturally know you've got to put gas in the car. You yeah. know, buying the car is not the last thing you do. Yeah. You've got to gas it. You've got to put insurance on it. You've got to maintain it. You've got to put new tires on it. That's your business. So mm-hmm. if you get a thousand dollars you're going to be like, Oh God, you know, I've got bills to pay and stuff like that. The first thing to do is train yourself that you didn't receive a thousand dollars. You received 800 bucks, right? That other 200 bucks, I would spend a hundred dollars of it on Facebook ads. And I would do $50 promoting two, two uh, articles, boosting two articles, boosting the same article with different Mm taglines to find out which one works. The other $100, get yourself on a course, get yourself some video stuff, get yourself a nice microphone, get yourself a decent setup. You know, all of those kind of things, spend money on expansion. Now, if you're spending $200 of every $1,000, that's a lot of money that you're actually investing in your company and investing in your growth. And then the next month, you make... $1,200. Okay. 20% more. But it's, you still got to keep perpetuating it, feeding it and pushing it out there. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and that's one of the things the clients we have who do well, reinvest so heavily back in their businesses, be it marketing, training, professional services, staff, whatever it is. The ones who come in where they just whinge and moan and we have the same conversation every year are largely the ones who will not reinvest. They try and do everything on a shoestring budget so they don't have the staff they need. They're not getting the new leads. They're not investing in any systems. They don't have anything that would actually perpetuate any sort of growth because they're ultimately being cheap. They want want more money so they just hold on to it and won't let go, but
1: we all know how that ends. You still end up. Here's the dumb thing, you can be cheap, If you're buying a toothbrush, Mm -hmm. you know, you can be cheap if you're buying toilet roll. Okay. But you're not going to be cheap when you're maintaining your car. And when you go around a corner and the brakes don't work because you put water in there rather than brake fluid because you're cheap, you die. Right. Why the hell would you be cheap on the only thing that's giving you growth? I.E. you, you can be cheap about everything else. Never be cheap about yourself. Buy a cheap-ass uh, toothbrush, buy cheap-ass toilet roll, but on yourself, pedigree it. You know, I... make sure you get it. Invest in a course. Now, here's the dumb thing. If you did that 20% rule, and over a period of six months, you ended up spending $1,000 on courses and books online, I'm guaranteeing you now you're going to be ripped off by 60% of those courses. Mm-hmm. Because most of those courses – i regurgitated shit from the last crap course. Mm-hmm. A lot of those are done. All you need to do is to find that gold that works for you mm-hmm. and find, and I, I, I've, I've bought bad courses. I bought a really shit course a little while ago. Okay. And I'm not going to give any directions to which one it was. Cause the, the, I've already had a chat with the guy that sold it. Um, and it was crap from day one, but it was a six week course and it included a webinar. The way he presented the webinar, the equipment he had for the webinar to make himself look good. That became my education and not the course itself. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I ended up and I was reaching out and everyone's saying to him about growth and uh, distribution stuff like that. And I was like, what microphone you using? And he'd be like, Oh, I'm on a shore 58. Guess what? Sure, 58. So I actually, I listened and watched him and I was like, I like the way he does this. I like the way that comes. And then what he would do was he would send on the recording. And for those people that didn't pay the full amount for the course, he would make that available to them as a secondary course for a third of the price. So he was selling it twice. Yeah. And I was like, I like this infrastructure. The course that he did was shit. The way he put it together allowed me to release, uh, release a course And I did a very nice cleanup on that. And I still keep doing it because I learned something from it. Right.
0: Yeah. There's always something you can learn even from the, even if sometimes I guess it's a bad lesson. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's
1: something you're going to be able to get from everything you're doing. Well, even if it's a bad lesson, you've got to ask yourself, what was it that caused you to actually spend your money? Mm -hmm. It could have been good copywriting. It could have been a video. Now, there's no new wheels out there. So everything you do, like I did a speaker page, and I'm, I'm telling you now, rip me off, please, because I've done it to other people. I, I launched a speaker page because a lot of these stages that I was being asked to speak on, I've done 26 this year, and I charged between 15 to 25 grand a speech. So I had a lot of agencies going, well, do you have a speaker page? And I was like, no, I don't. So what I did was I went out and I looked at some of the biggest, biggest people in the world, you know, Jay Abraham, Brendan Burchard, Tony Robbins, you know, Damon John. I looked at the biggest speakers out there and I looked at their speaker pages and as different as they look, they're all exactly the same. They've all got a sizzle wheel that shows them on multiple stages. They've all got some beautiful copy. They've all got some pictures of them with celebrities or in different locations. And they've got a speaker page to download. And they've got contact details to book a a call or schedule a a meeting. It's all the exact infrastructure of that page. So I looked at all of these people, reverse engineered it, and then built my own based on that platform. So... There's no new wheels. Go to my speaker page at stevedsims.com. Click on speaker. That's what you need. If you're a speaker or trying to be a speaker, that's what you need. I didn't invent the wheel. I just colored it in my my colors. Right. All right, cool. So in a
0: couple of minutes, give us a tip that you think that every online business owner should know. All
1: right, never outsource your social. That was the first thing that I discovered. Because the I hated doing Instagram. I hated doing Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. Despised it. So I got a social company to do it, which I paid like a couple of grand a month. And it went up because I thought to myself, well, maybe the budget's too cheap. So it went up to like about 10 grand. Um, and the wording was too elaborate. The reach was too wide. Um, it wasn't pinpoint focused. So I canceled it. And then I would go on there and just go, I love the color red because it makes me, uh, um, it makes me do something dangerous. You know, just, I would just put stuff on there that revealed to me. Like this morning I did a posting because the bloody GoPro company has just released a new GoPro and I'm the sucker that buys every single one of their GoPros and this latest one has me salivating. So I, I posted, damn you GoPro, I'm going to buy another one. You know, I've got every single one they've ever done. But I started doing that But you know what happened? It started resonating with people. Now, Mm -hmm. I can't spell, okay? So quite often, my memes on Instagram, um, LinkedIn, and Facebook, there'd be a spelling mistake. It'd be grammatically incorrect. But then so are we, Mm because it's imperfect. And guess what, buddy? As gorgeous as you are, we're all imperfect. And that's what shows it's a human being talking to a human being. And I realised because I hated doing social because it wasn't, <coughs> excuse me, because it wasn't perfect. Nobody cared. Yeah, they wanted to talk to a real person, and real people are not perfect. So I would sit there and I'd go, "Hey, I love this whiskey. It doesn't make me go to the toilet too much." You know, it would just be something silly like that, and people would be like, "Yeah, I'm with you. Have you tried this whiskey?" And I'd be like, "No, I haven't tried." And all of a sudden, you're in these conversations. So. Far too many people think that social is what you've got to avoid and outsource. Uh -uh. Outsource your accounting. Outsource your your, your chasing of invoices. Outsource your website design. Outsource all of these things. But anything that has to do with getting who you are across Mm -hmm. to someone else, that's your liability. You have to be responsible for that. That makes sense because people can, in office
0: inauthenticity, people are able to detect really quickly. They might not be able to pinpoint exactly what it is, but it's the same reason that people who try to come across as uber polished, make no mistakes. There's a reason that doesn't resonate with people. And at the point when you're outsourcing it to a totally separate company, Mm. either coming up with their old, their own stuff, or they're just trying to lift quotes from you. they find stuff from your book and just throw that in there. The chance of people actually liking that and feeling like that's real, it goes down quite a bit.
1: Well, you're not talking to them, you're just providing them with a wallpaper. So if I like something, like I I forget what the bloody quip was that we said earlier in this show, you know? But if you just spoke to, if you took that quip that we said, and we, we, we put it up on a meme and say, hey, from a podcast this morning, I just announced the greatest quip ever known to mankind. And you post it, it's a little bit jokey. It's, it, you know, you're having a bit of a giggle. But I, I know I'm going to have to replay this podcast, but, you know, there was a quip at the beginning that just sounded really cool. But um, you're probably going to post it before me.
0: <laughs> oh, awesome, man. All right. So, last question here is one of two things or you can do both. What's either the craziest thing you've seen sold online, or what's the craziest tactic you've seen to sell something online?
1: All right, the craziest thing I've seen uh, online, probably the craziest thing I've seen is air. You know, that still gets me. You'll get people that will actually bottle air from like a concert, um, and they will go, you know, this was the air, from the, the 2012 U2 concert in Madison Square Garden. You know, have a piece of the environment. And they will send you an empty bottle. And that's the air. So I've seen that, that marketed. That, that always gets me a giggle. Um, but the craziest tactic. Um, this may not be the answer you want, but the craziest tactic I've seen what is the, the most... Is- sorry? it's whatever the answer is
0: not right. the
1: craziest tactic is you repeating what works for someone else that's not in your industry mm-hmm. so it's not very exciting but if you've got this crazy tactic no. where you're doing something a little bit different and you may be because like at the moment everyone's doing videos from that car you know or yeah. everyone's doing their their um their their pictures from in front of a nice car or in front of a mansion or something like that that i think is ridiculous because everyone's doing it mm-hmm. you know and uh, it's the classic seth godin you know the purple cow after you've seen 20 freaking teenage life coaches leaning up against a bloody car that they don't own you just don't care anymore right. so every time you do see there could be one pe- one person there that is absolutely brilliant at what they do but you'll ignore them because they're now stuck in the crowd of all the other flakes. Okay. Right. So the stupidest tactic in the world is to actually repeat what other people are doing. There's no such thing as a crazy tactic because it's the crazies that get the attention.
0: Right. Well, and I think what people, let's say five, 10 years ago online, if you just made noise, if you went live on Facebook, if you just you threw <laughs> a bunch of content out there, people weren't using social media the way they are now. So just by making noise, you could get a certain amount of success by doing that. Now that everyone is trying it, like you're saying there's 20 people who are leaning against all these things that might've worked a couple years ago. The fact that everyone's doing that same thing. when When I saw people, this is back when I guess Periscope was still around for as long as that lasted. But when people are just talking to the camera and engaging, Initially, that was so new and it was interesting, so you pay attention. Now when I see someone with bad, bad lighting, they've got this grainy photo and they're just talking to the camera, I just go right by. Like you said, they might have great content. Whatever lesson they're trying to spell out could be fantastic, but it's just white noise at this point.
1: Yeah, it's funny you should mention that. I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago with a, a, a very dear friend of mine called Jay Abraham. And they decided to video it while we were doing the podcast. So it wasn't set up to be video. Um, But uh, we had one of these new Mevo's and for some reason they set it up and they put it on the default setting of like 720. So it was pretty grainy and pretty shit, but it was such a good interview. All you've got to do is position it. So I actually did release it and I said, look, stick with the quality it's rough and grainy, but you'll be thankful You'll be thankful that you did. And yeah. so we released it, but you've got to position it. If you release it and you don't say anything about it, you're right, people are going to go, that's crap. But if you go, hey, I did this. My camera was on low setting, but bloody hell, this was such a damn good interview and can help you, look past that, then yeah. people do. But you know the funny thing is, that mistake shows that you're human. Mm -hmm. You know, we had so many people going, oh, I've done that before. But yeah, the interview was brilliant. You know, you're showing you're a human being. I wanted this to be a brilliant interview. I wanted it to be perfect. I wanted it to have exceptional lighting and 4K resolution, but it didn't. You know, it was 720 in his office. Wasn't the best lighting in the world, but the interview was gold. And so I told people that at the beginning and it resonated with people because I'd made a mistake. I hadn't checked the settings. And it resonated.
0: But you also have the credibility to begin with and have other examples where you're not doing that and you do versus these people where that's all they're putting out.
1: I think it's yeah, yeah. I, yeah, like I have, I have pretty decent lighting in here. I have a good mic set up. Um, I have a nice little backdrop. But, uh, you know, it's, you, you got to focus on the stuff. But when it goes wrong, don't sure. hide behind it. You know, if, if your video is ropey, but the content's exceptional, then just tell people, hey, shit video, but wow, the content was golden. You know, yeah. take a peek. And you get that credibility by being honest and by be, being transparent and being truthful with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It All doesn't right, hurt man. when you got someone like, you know, Jay Abraham interviewing you, that, that kind of yeah. gets a bit of attention as well. So it's not a yeah. bad thing. All right, I
0: know we're running short
1: on time. Thank you so much for being
0: here. If people want to reach out to you, what's your website? What's the best way for them to get in contact? Well,
1: there's a few different ways. Uh, We have a Facebook page that's free uh, where I spout a lot of my stuff. I actually spouted this morning about the new GoPro. Um, But that's an Entrepreneur's Advantage with Steve Sims. uh, Free of charge to get on that. Um, You can go to stevedsims.com and actually uh, register there for the newsletters. Or if you like technology and you've got a cell phone in the United States, text the word SIMS, S-I-M-S, to 33777. So that's the word SIMS. Text it to 33777 and you get my text alerts where I'm speaking. I may be speaking in your area. If I do a video, you know, I'll text you and go, hey, really cool video. Happy Sunday. Enjoy this. You know, you'll, you'll get more alerts than you will the emails. So that'll help you.
0: All right. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for being here again. We really enjoyed it.
1: All the best, pal. Bye.
0: Thanks. Bye.